Hello, thanks for listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. This is Adam Rosen, your host. I'm a fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement. In these episodes, I'm going to share with you a lot of my tips and tricks and review classic articles and current implant designs. Thanks for tuning in and on with the show. Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen and you're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Today, I want to talk about one of those debates in orthopedics, which basically dates back to that whole debate of, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg. And this is the PS versus CR debate. I'm not going to bore you with all of the details and literature and journal articles. You know, I, I expect that you know those or go back and review and look and see and hear about what all the comparisons and discussions are. Um, it was actually interesting during residency that our, our fracture conference day, our educational day, um, in addition to journals and books and fracture conferences, um, one of the things that we would also do is debates. And, you know, we pick uh, two residents that would go sort of head to head. It didn't necessarily have to be the side of the debate that you were on, but you were just arbitrarily given. So one of my co-residents um, who also went into total joints, we were both given the discussion of PS versus CR in a debate format. And I got handed the CR side. So it's interesting though, because coming from Philadelphia, I mean, Philadelphia is a predominantly posterior stabilized town. It's what we all did. It's what I always knew. And I hadn't really done any cruciate retaining while I was in Philadelphia uh, until I actually came west uh, to do my fellowship where they were predominantly cruciate retaining. Um, So in Philadelphia, you know, and one of the things that I was always taught growing up and as I learned was that, you know, PS is the way to go. Cruciate retaining is hard to expose. It's hard to balance. Um, And it was one of those things that everybody, you know, utilized in, in Philly was posterior stabilized. We did a lot more anti-referencing, a lot more gap balancing. Um, and when I came to California, everything was measured resection. So it was a very unique sort of comparison for me of the differences and the nuances between those philosophies and those implants. Um, because, you know, when you when you hear those debates, but you'll also, you know, read the discussions in the fluoroscopic and kinematic studies that have looked at, you know, recreating roll back and improve stair climbing. And, you know, the more that you get into total knee kinematics, the more complex it gets, because a lot of times you may be talking about static sort of controls as far as the radius of curvature and contact of the post, you know, but there's so much more dynamic influence of the supporting musculature and quad strength. And, you know, just the CRPS debate alone, um, you have to take into account, you know, the patellofemoral mechanics, you know, the restoration of posterior condylar height, um, all of those things, elevation or, you know, lowering of the joint line. So there's a lot of issues there. Um, so whether or not you're a PS or CR person, you know, I'm just going to kind of give you my kind of change in thinking and kind of where I came from and where I went. So, you know, again, as a resident, you know, you know a lot, but you really, as you get older, you realize you didn't know that much at that time. And, you know, constantly every year we're learning. So at the time, you know, I did a lot of PS knees. I had a lot of experience. You know, I thought they all turned out pretty well. Um, when I came to do my fellowship, what I started to realize was that, you know, there are little tips and tricks and techniques actually exposure was not difficult. It really wasn't hard. So I would never tell anybody now that, oh, you know, PS is so much easier to expose um, and CR is so much more difficult. Um, That's really, you know, not the case. And I also didn't find it 
difficult to balance. I wouldn't use the word difficult. I, I would say it's skillful and artful to balance. Um, but I don't believe that a cruciate retaining knee is difficult to balance. Um, I do believe it is extremely important, though, um, that you have to make sure that you appropriately restore the joint line. Um, I believe, you know, with certain knees, if you can't for some reason based on anatomy, or if you're not really paying attention, doing measure resection, know your implant thicknesses, um, you may have a little bit more wiggle room with a posterior stabilized design, whereas a cruciate retaining design is definitely going to let you know that you screwed up the joint line. So restoring the joint line, I think, is extremely important in my experience in cruciate retaining, um, as it's important in both, but I think you have less wiggle room in a cruciate retaining design. And also the artful, skillful thing, I think, with most cruciate retaining knees is you have to balance the cruciate um, and that comes into mostly tibial slope um, and also sometimes a recession um, or other technique of the PCL. And the easiest way to fix that, and one of the most common ways I see people make a simple mistake, is to look for intercondylar osteophytes. You know, we always talk about doing a notchplasty for an ACL, but commonly what will happen if you don't go looking for it is just along the PCL in the notch. And sometimes behind the PCL will be a large osteophyte. And I'll either use a osteotome or a small tip rongeur to get back there. And sometimes you won't see much. There's just a little bit. I'll just bevel it to kind of clear it out so it's not rubbing on the PCL. But occasionally you'll pull out a nice big chunk. And you have to understand that if you don't look for that every case and you don't remove that, you're going to go chasing your flexion gap because you're too tight and you're going to try to release and release and release, and you may, you know, wind up jumping to a PS because you can't figure it out. But all you had to do is really remove that osteophyte. Um, now, cruciate retaining knees, though, the thing that I enjoy not seeing with my poster stabilized knees is that um, it was rare, but you know, occasionally you can get a you know dislocation from your posterior knee or poster stabilized knee if the patient jumps the cam. Now, you know, typically this is a obese person with a large leg, um, but also occasionally they may have a slightly looser flexion gap, and those two things are a dangerous combination. So you don't see dislocation of the cam post mechanism in a cruciate retaining knee. But again, you have to balance your flexion gap well. The other thing which I think is reduced significantly is the chance of a condylar fracture. So iatrogenically, during a case, once you cut the notch, if you're not cautious with your retractors, um, maybe your notch box cut wasn't wide enough and you try to slam the femoral component on, you know, maybe you put the femoral component on a little cattywampus or you try to shift it, bang, knock, knock off the condyle. Now you're fixing the condyle during the case. And, you know, that's extremely rare in a cruciate retaining design because you have the entire distal femur. The other big thing and this is what I really started to see and enjoy a lot of from the cruciate retaining philosophy is when I got into fellowship and practice here, you know, we did a lot of revisions. And when you're revising a cruciate retaining knee, there's a ton of bone stock remaining. You know, anytime that you revise a posterior stabilized knee, you know, you take off that component and there is just nothing left, like this tiny little pitchfork shell of bone. Um, so it's really, really hard to then, you know, figure out all your landmarks and restore your joint line and you're trying to get fixation, you're adding augments. Um, so not to say that with a cruciate retaining design that you don't have to add augments, but you have a lot more bone to work with. Um, 
But I think, you know, the, the big important things is that when you're doing a cruise ship retaining design, um, I really think it is important to make sure that you restore the joint line and that can come with measured resection. Um, I also use other, other visual landmarks to make sure that when I cut my tibia, there's things that I'm looking for in addition to measuring the thickness. Um, and that may be adjusted based on a significant bony defect. The other really important thing also is restoring the slope. And you need to understand with each system, you know, are you cutting three, five, seven degrees of posterior slope? And again, like we've talked about in previous, you know, when you're cutting seven degrees of slope, you also have to make sure that your rotation is appropriate. Otherwise, you could be cutting into varus or more commonly valgus if you internally rotate that that tibial cutting block. Um, so those are important things. And then understanding, you know, when you can recess your PCL, um, whether or not you do it off the tibia, whether or not you remove some bone anterior to the PCL off the tibia. Um, if I remember correctly, I believe that was one of old Merrill uh, Ritter's um, old techniques of you know, how to recess that that technique, but it's a technique I use on occasion. Do you take it off the femur? Um, do you use a little 18-gauge needle and pie crust it? So little tips and tricks that you can use to balance your CR knees, you know, making sure that you have appropriate rollback you know, that you're not having insert lift off. Um, but those are all important things to keep in mind. You know, I still use some of those gap balancing techniques, more so for setting rotation on my femoral component. But overall, what I found is that the CR knee works really well in my hands. Because even when I started, you know, I was still of that mantra, bad varus valgus, jump right to PS. And then as I got a little bit further on in my career, I started having PS there as a backup. But what I found is that even in these bad varus or valgus knees or knees with flexion contractures, if you were appropriate with your soft tissue releases and you removed those osteophytes posteriorly, medially, laterally, and you made appropriate cuts, set appropriate rotation, what I was amazed is that a lot of these knees balance well. And, and I would say 95%, maybe even a little bit more than that, of my knees now are cruciate retaining for my primary knees. And they all work well, even if you do have bad deformity, but I always have the PS there and available for those outliers, the severe flexion contractures, the severe varus valgus, because if I get into that situation where I'm having difficulties, especially um, with tightness and flexion, I release my PCL, I have that option of you know going to a PS and balancing my flexion extension gaps. So definitely if you don't have a very good understanding of the literature, I would strongly encourage you to go back, you know, pull a few articles, um, look back at the studies that have looked at the similarities, differences, pros and cons, risks and benefits between the cruciate, cruciate retaining posterior stabilized designs. Um, if you're at a training center that only does one way, you know, see if there's an out rotation that you can go and see, you know, what it's like on the other side. Um, the beauty now is you can watch lots of videos and see some of the nuances and differences. Um, and also most importantly with the cruciate retaining designs is, you know, understand the patient's anatomy, the patient's slope and the slope that is required for a particular implant system, whether or not the slope is built into the cut and the poly is neutral or your cut is a little flatter and the slope is built into the poly. So see what options you have available. So I hope that's uh, just some tips and tricks and food for thought to kind of make your brain think um, and take a look a little bit more um, with some scrutiny at the nuances and differences between PS and CR. 
Thanks for listening. This is the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast, and I'm Adam Rosen. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.